Thank you, Zoe. Beautifully read. Oh, there we go. So, how are you? I'd like to suggest that I've got no basis for this other than my own opinion, but I think that is the most asked question in England. Hi, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? And then once you finish the preliminaries, you can get on with what you really want to talk to the person about. But I wonder if you've ever thought if there's a problem with that question. It might depend slightly on the circumstances. If you're sitting down, ready for a long chat with one of your best friends, when you ask it, so in that situation, you probably want a truthful answer. I suspect, though, the majority of times you ask that question to someone, all you really want them to say is the, I'm fine, thanks. And you don't want them to open up to you. take it a step further. I wonder if you've been asked how you are. Have you ever lied and said you're fine when you're not? Anyone here guilty of that? I certainly am. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Well, whole, probably a whole variety of reasons. Maybe we're chatting to somebody we don't fully trust to let them know exactly how we're feeling. That's probably true in a number of occasions, but even actually sometimes even when we're talking to people that are totally trustworthy, we don't tell them. Maybe the reason behind that is because we don't like to fully reveal our craziness to others, or we think people might feel or think that we're crazy, so we hide away what we're thinking and feeling in that moment, because maybe if I reveal myself, they won't like me and they won't want to speak to me anymore. We're worried that we're going to be rejected or judged or something else. I'm going to ask you again, how are you? And don't worry, I'm not going to get you to share with the person next to you. But I want you to really think when I ask this question, I'm just going to pause only for a few moments to think, really, how are you? So, how are you? It's already been hinted at, as you've reflected on that. I suspect in here tonight, we've got some people that might be feeling, I hope, rather happy. Maybe they've had a really good week. Something good has happened to them. You're happy to be back at school, seeing your friends again, some of you. I don't know. Maybe there might be some that aren't happy to be back at school. Maybe there's some that have had a really bad week at work as well. Maybe some of you are really sad with the passing of Queen Elizabeth. Maybe quite a number of you. There might be some here that think, yeah, it's sad, but it doesn't really bother me that much. And probably all kinds of things in between. I'm getting you to think about how you are. Because tonight, as we've hinted at, we're starting this new series about who God is and it's called Who He Is. And we're doing that, and I'm getting you to think about how you are, because actually it's really important as we go through this that we need to know that no matter who we are or how we are, when we come to God with that, 
when we come and find out who he is. He accepts us for who we are. He accepts us no matter how we are in that moment. But we can trust who he is, always. Whether you're feeling distant, whether you're feeling close from him, whether you're feeling happy or sad or anywhere in between, when we come and we know who God is, it helps us with who we are and how we are. Let me pray. Lord God, you know how each of us is feeling right now. You know who each of us really are. And it doesn't scare or frighten you. And Lord, we thank you for that. So now as we turn our attention from ourselves to who you are, will you open our hearts and our minds to know you more deeply? that we may know who we are in you. Amen. So, a bit of background before I go into the reading. A bit of background about names and what names were like sort of uh, in history and in biblical times as well. Names are obviously really, really important. It's uh, against... um, the human rights legislation, world human rights, to dehumanize people by taking away their names. So if you're like a, a prisoner of war, for example, you're not allowed to take away the name of person and just refer to them as a number. Names have meaning and significance to people. And particularly in biblical times as well, and in our history, names were really, really strongly linked with the reality of who the person was. I don't, know, I don't know if he's here tonight, but um, uh, I was going to use the name Smith. used to be a really common name in the UK. And why was it a really common name? Because there used to be lots of blacksmiths in the UK. Really common profession. So if you had somebody that was called John, for example, and you wanted to differentiate one John from another John, who was, say, the farmer, you would call, say, well, it's John the blacksmith, John Smith. That's how surnames came about. The name was linked with the identity of the person, the reality of who they were. And this is there in Scripture as well. I think when Tom did his last talk, didn't he? We talked about Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. Well, Peter's original name wasn't Simon, wasn't Peter, it was Simon. And Jesus changed his name to Peter, which means rock, because the name rock talked about the reality of who Peter was going to be, the rock on who Jesus was build his church. Well, this link between the name and the reality of who the person is is also with the names of God as well. Name and character identity is crucial for us to understand as we begin this series and look at the names of God. So, in this reading that we had, that Zoe read so beautifully to us, we have God appearing to Moses at the burning bush. It's quite a well-known story. Many of you will have heard it before. And there's lots going on in there, and lots I could say, but I want to particularly focus on the moment in it when Moses asks God, what is your name? This is the first time in Scripture we have somebody saying to God, What is your name? 
You know, who are you? Who shall I say you are to people? And verse 14, which is going to come up on the screens, do have it open on your Bibles as well. This is what God says to Moses in reply to this. He says, I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That phrase translated, I am who I am, is uh, what becomes known as, uh, or becomes one word eventually in Hebrew. And it's the word, you might have heard it before, Yahweh, that we know is Yahweh. Little aside, it becomes the most common name in the Old Testament to refer to God as. And whenever you have in your English translation of the Hebrew, the word Lord, all in capital letters, it's not a typo, it's not as somebody's forgotten to take the caps lock off, that is when it is referring to this name of God, Yahweh. If you've got a translation of the Bible at home, I encourage you to go through some of it after this point in Exodus and look at how many times the word Lord is written in capital letters. Okay, so remembering that names have personal meaning, what does this name Yahweh tell us about God? I want to draw out three things that I hope will be really helpful to us. It tells us the first thing, which is this. God is eternally unchanging. Now, depending on how you read that phrase, you could totally misunderstand in English, you know, I am who I am. I can uh, hear a teenager saying that in a quite fatalistic way. Well, I am who I am. You know, one minute I want to be like this, and the next minute I want to be like that. This is where the English language sometimes doesn't help us with translating things from other languages, because in English we've got a limit on tenses when we speak something's either past, present, or future. And that's not the reality for this uh, name that God gives himself. Some even argue that a better translation to the, to the name Yahweh might be, I will be who I will be, or even I am who I will always be. I like the way one commentator suggested, though, uh, that if God asked this question in English, he might well give us the answer, he who is. I like that. God is who he is. What God is communicating in this name is a permanence of his character. He's not going to, un he's not going to change, unlike the way that we do, situation by situation or moment by moment. Unlike any of us, God is not going to treat us any differently if he, well, he wouldn't. But if we get up on a morning, we've had a bad night's sleep, really restless, we're not feeling very good, we've got a difficult day ahead, our patience and words we use to other people might be slightly different to say if we've had a really, really good night's sleep and we wake up feeling really refreshed and we're looking forward to a great day you might get slightly different responses from people if you ask them a question. And this variability in extreme can make us actually uh, wary of other people. If you've ever known somebody um, at, uh, I know you used to know somebody at school who was a teacher that was like this, and it was a teacher, I'm gonna change his name slightly, um, it was a teacher nobody really liked. 
And the main reason that people didn't like him is because you never knew what version of the teacher you were going to get when you stepped into the classroom and had an interaction with him. His name was um, Mr. Morris. And I can remember once, um, there's no polite way of saying this, but he had a, um, he had a, a squint, which meant you couldn't always tell who he was looking at. And I remember one particular time in, in his class, um, I probably wasn't paying full attention, but the class was quiet and I realized he was looking at somebody who I didn't think was me and he'd asked them a question, so I just sat there in silence. And then he asks the question again. And I look at him and in my head I'm trying to decide, is he looking at me or the person next to me? And then he asks it again, and I re finally realise he was um, looking at me. And I just blurted out, oh, I'm sorry, sir, I didn't realise you were looking at me. And he was known to be quite sensitive to this. But actually, he was totally fine. The class stiggered a little bit, but he just sort of smiled, asked me the question again. I think I gave the right answer, and, and that was that. I was quite relieved actually I wasn't shouted at and very surprised. And I thought, oh, maybe he's not that bad after all. Two days later, another incident with the same teacher. I was, uh, this happened when I was, I think I was in year 10 and I was quite a tall year 10 even back then. And this teacher was rather short. And I was walking along the corridor and he comes out of a room, um, classroom next to me. And I happened to sort of brush past him not really paying much attention, thinking probably it's a small year seven that's got in the, the way of somebody they shouldn't. And, uh, but it was, an, it was an accident. I, didn't, I genuinely did not bump into him on purpose. He totally lost it. I was sent to the head of year. I got, uh, well, I was going to get a long detention for it, but he just shouted at me in the corridor and I got sent to the head of year. And uh, anyway, head of year asked me what happened. And I just explained to my head of year. Um, he sort of sniggered and then controlled himself. And he told me, anyway, I didn't have to serve the attention because he realized that this guy had overreacted. But it just, the way he reacted made people not want to relate to him and like him. But our God is not like that. He doesn't change how he responds to us, dependent on his mood. And so the second point that I want to make is God is eternally unchanging. He is who he is. But also when we have a character like that, it makes this enormous, incredible, loving and powerful God knowable. God is knowable because he doesn't change. What he tells us about himself and his character, we can trust, we can be assured is true. Just by looking in, the, uh, remembering what we had read to us in, in our reading as well, we can see that, God, that God's character is one that wants to rescue people. That he's attentive. We heard that he heard the prayers of the Israelites as they were suffering. We see him appear to Moses. He gets Moses' attention and he speaks to Moses. Moses is someone even with immense sin and failure in his life. But God still wants to bring peace and purpose to Moses and to also help others. We have a God who is unchanging, who's always like that, and a God who is knowable, who wants to appear and speak to us. 
but there's so much more. I'm going to give us a sneak peek of some of the other names of God that we will look at over this series. Hopefully some of them are going to go up on here. We have Yahweh Jireh, who is uh, the Lord who is provider. Yahweh Roshi, the Lord my servant. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord my banner. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord is peace. Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals. What do you notice about all those other names of God that there are in Scripture from the Old Testament? There's, there's, there's more than that. What do you notice about all those ones? They all have the same prefix to them, don't they? Yahweh. I will always be like this. I will always be a provider. I will always be a shepherd, someone that guides and helps, protects and keeps safe. Sheep. We're his sheep. The Lord, my banner, someone who be with us in the battles that we face that will be over and above. A protector. The Lord is always going to be somebody that can bring peace in any situation that we find ourselves in. The Lord is always somebody who can bring healing when we're hurt or down. This tells us that no matter how we are, we can know who God is and trust him to be with us and to provide and help to bring peace and to heal. So I've just kind of like said my last point. My last point of my talk tonight is simply this, is is God is always therefore with you. I had a really good friend as I was growing up, a guy called uh, Andy Pask, and I don't, um, don't keep in touch with him now as much as I should have, but actually I know even though I call him now, he would come running if I uh, needed him. Um, he was a really good friend. He, uh, we went to junior school together, but not to secondary school. Um, but he was a member of the youth group, he used to play football, go to football, just, yeah, really, really good guy. And um, used to go on holidays together as well with family, so got to know him really, really well. We went off to university, and I, I'm sure I've shared with you before that I went a bit rogue when I was at university first, first time. And um, Andy went to a different university. He used to phone me regularly. And all this, some, I was quite honest with him and he knew what I was up to. He'd always give me good advice. I'd stopped phoning him because he was quite annoying to talk to sometimes, I have to be honest, and I didn't agree with some of the advice that he was giving me. But he, he kept in contact with me. He was always giving me good advice, phoning, wanting to meet up, check that I was okay with everything that I was going through. He, um, yeah, he just did that. Um, I felt quite distant from him because we didn't, I didn't feel like we were connecting because I didn't want to hear what he had to say. But when I came back to my senses, do you know who the first person I went to was? It was Andy. Because I knew he was somebody that would speak truth in my life, that wanted to be with me and wanted, or wanted to, cared for me and wanted to speak truth in my life, that he kept reaching out to me, even though I was not being a very good in response to him. I think sometimes we think God changes and we get frustrated and annoyed with God because perhaps we don't feel close to him. But what I think I want to say to us tonight, and this is quite a hard message, because don't always know why we struggle to hear God. But God is always with us. 
sometimes we just find it really difficult to connect and to hear him. You know, maybe if we're messing up in our lives, we feel distant from God, not because he's drawn away from us, but because we've put up our own barriers and walls around him. The guilt can make us less confident to approach God. Or if we're feeling sad, perhaps we also think that God doesn't want to be around somebody that's like that. But those things we're told in scripture don't change who God is because he is who he is and he will be who he will be. And he's promised that he is always going to be with us. He's always going to love us. So don't let how you are steal your confidence in who God is. I don't know if you remember at the start, um, we had a bit of John's gospel read to us and in that was one of the I am sayings of Jesus. Jesus said quite a few I am sayings. I wonder if you noticed something about the prefix of that, what Jesus was saying, I am. When Jesus said that, the, the religious people and the, and the people that believed in God would have known what Jesus was claiming to be as he used that phrase, I am. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life at another point as well. God is those things in all times and in all places. And this is who our Queen believed and trusted in as well. In her Christmas speech in 2003, I'm just going to read one line from her. She was talking about the love of God. She says this in it. She just simply said, there is no one beyond its reach. That's what she believed and lived by and died in. No one is beyond God's reach. Jesus says, I am resurrection and life. I am with you even in death and I can bring life out of him. So if God's with us in death, He's certainly with us in our lives where we are at right now. And he will always be with you. So trust him with who you are and how you are right now. And let him guide you. Amen.